We we'll greet each other in the name of the Lord this morning. It, uh, it is a blessing to be here this morning. I had to think of Davy calling and, and asking if I would consider coming this morning. Well, you know, sometimes a, a preacher kind of likes when he looks at the schedule and he knows he's not on a schedule for a while and it's kind of a break. But I didn't have an excuse when Davy called, and I wouldn't have made an excuse because I, I believe that when we're asked to share the gospel, if, if at all possible, I think we should take that opportunity to share the word. I was thinking this morning when we got here, I knew that you all have been facing some sickness, and I got to thinking, I wonder how big the crowd's going to be. Well, when I got here, uh, Brother Paul was the only one here, and I thought it's going to be an awful slim crowd if it's you know, just us and him. And uh, but I, under I would understand if it was only half of the crowd here this morning. That's okay. Because where we're gathered, the Lord is with us. But as my mind went back to when we were visiting in Honduras, and the church that morning... Uh, we were there visiting Peter and Marianne Hartzler, and that morning I was asked to share the message. And uh, there wasn't but a few people at that service that morning. But you know, they were there to hear the word. And I had to think, well, that church would have fit in half of your auditorium here, and there'd still be room around to get around. So it didn't seem like it was that large, even though it was a small group. Now, we got the group spread a little more here this morning. But I'm glad for each one that is, is here this morning and to hear what the Lord has to say. It's not what I have to say, it's what the Lord has to say. And I had to think when Brother James was teaching the Sunday school lesson, uh, he was touching some points that uh, I was going to be sharing this morning. And I thought, well, maybe James ought to just share what he's got to say this morning and we can be done but I think maybe he was looking for some answers too so I'm not going to say I've got all the answers but the word the the scripture has the answers and the scripture has for what we need for today <clears throat> and and I think maybe James will think about some things he said there this morning uh, when I share the title maybe maybe it'll click with him but the title that I have this morning is be not troubled be not troubled You know, in Scripture, Jesus used that phrase a few times. And so I want to look at that in uh, John. John chapter 14, very familiar passage. <clears throat> but, but he starts out in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And we will find these words in, in, in other scriptures, and I want to look at some of those yet. But this morning, I want to draw our minds to this fact of let not our hearts be troubled. And here with the account here when Jesus brought this forth, and you know, we like to go ahead and read the rest of the scripture there, but where he goes to mention, you know, he was speaking to the disciples, and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
and so on. Well, that's not the message here this morning. But I had to think, why? What brought this to this point? Why was it Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was telling them not to, to let not your heart be troubled? You know, just prior to this, if you look back in chapters 13 and back, Jesus is telling the disciples that his end, his death, is soon going to take place. And that he will soon be leaving this world. His job here is finished. But he says, but, but don't be troubled. Don't be worried about the things that are going to happen or the things that are happening. He says, don't, don't worry about that. And so as I was preparing this message and was thinking on this message, I had to think, what is that message to us here today? Because as we look around us today, and, and I'm not one to just want to stand here and talk about the word COVID, but that's a word that we hear so often, and we have heard it for the last year a little better. And so that's become a word in the vocabulary now and probably the dictionary. But as we look around us, as we look in the world around us, and we see the things that are happening, the things that are taking place, the things that are going on in society around us, and we, we realize we're living in a chaotic world. How does that make us feel? What are we thinking? How does it affect our lives? And how should we let it affect our lives? And you know, the disciples here, they've been with Jesus for three years, or a little over three years. And, you know, there was probably some hope and some enjoyment there that they had with Jesus. That, you know, day in and day out, they was listening to his teachings and the things he had to say, the miracles he was doing. But then he says, you know, but the time is coming that I'm going to be taken from you. I'm going to be delivered to sinful man, before sinful man. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. But he said, but I'm going to rise again. And he says, now, don't be troubled about this. And so I had to think that, you know, as we look at the world around us today, yes, we have Jesus here. You know, we can't see him, but we know the Holy Spirit's presence is here with us. So we have the Holy Spirit's presence with us in our daily lives, in our daily walk. And so what do we need to be troubled for? What do we need to be worried about? So I want to look at a couple other verses yet before we go into the main passage. John 14, verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace. Peace. Is that something the world has? Is that something the world offers us? Is that something the world can give us? It's peace. Again, as we look at the chaotic world around us, we could say, but there is no peace in the world. Well, that's not just happened in the last year or a year and a half. That has been going on for years. Yes, there's times that uh, when, you know, in society, in the world, things seem like they're running at a smooth clip. But then there's things come along that unsettles everything. But Jesus says, you know, peace I leave with you. And so when I think of peace, the peace that Jesus gives is something that passes all understanding. 
And you know, for the Christian, how can we be at peace and living in peace in a chaotic world? But it's something that Jesus has given to each one of us that we can have in our lives that no matter what is going on out and around about us, there is a peace that we can experience that the world knows nothing of. And I think Jesus was telling the disciples that. You know, all these things, but he said, don't be troubled about it. Be at peace about it. And you might say here this morning, but preacher, but look at all the things that's happening around us. How can we be at peace? But you know, I've found that when I look at these things around us and I, and I just know that they're in, in the, the hands of the Lord and the Lord's in control, what do I need to worry about? What do I need to worry about? Should I be at unrest because the world is at unrest? Or can I be at peace because Jesus has offered that peace? And I think you all know the answer to that. And then also in John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And you know, when we can let that soak in, when we can let that sink in and realize Jesus said, I've overcome the world, what do you, you don't have nothing to worry about. Because my peace, I am leaving with you. Let not your heart be troubled. So that's just a little introductory to the message here. Because there's another verse too that speaks of not being troubled, in the, in, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, this is the account where the disciples, that when they were <clears throat> coming out of the temple, they, they, they said to Jesus, look at the temple. You know, they, they gloried in the temple. They gloried in the building of the temple. And, and so they, they wanted Jesus to take notice of it. Look at the temple. So I want to read Matthew 24, verses 1 through 31. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not... All these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. There's again, be not troubled. See that ye are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilence, and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then shall they de deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. 
And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. And then shall be then, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, not ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show, and shall show signs, great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Or behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great trumpet, with the sound of, with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. <clears throat> now I don't know how you feel when, when you read that passage or hear it read. Does it strike fear into you? And I remember one time sharing a message similar to this in another, in another church. And afterwards, there, a person came to me and said, you know, I, I, I get a little nervous. I get a little afraid when I hear that read. Because they said, I don't like to suffer, and I don't like the thought of suffering. Well, I want us to, to think here this morning, and I want to point out a little later here, but there is... There is warnings in this passage, and there's also encouragement in this passage. There is at least nine warnings and at least five encouragements. And so I want to look at those here after a while. But I want us to look at this passage and what it is saying to us. <clears throat> because we are living in a time, that, as I've said, we, we would say it's a chaotic world. And when I read this passage here, Jesus, Jesus has put, I think Jesus has put all prophecy pretty much in a nutshell in this passage. 
And I don't know how many here this morning enjoys prophecy and likes to look into prophecy, but that is one thing I enjoy. And it's been a, maybe a couple years ago now that I did a study through the book of Revelation at Raleigh. But I enjoy that. But as I looked at this passage, and in comparison to Revelations, and I just thought Jesus said everything the book of Revelation says in this short passage. And if you want to take the time and compare it, and read this, and read Revelation, and compare it, Jesus, in a short time, told the disciples what is going to happen in the future and how it will take place. And so when, Je when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, look at, the, look at the temple. But Jesus said, but I want to tell you something. He said, the time is going to come. He said that, that there is not going to be one stone left upon another. This building, it is going to be destroyed. And if you know your, your Bible history, in about A.D. 70, I believe it was, the temple was destroyed. Completely destroyed, as Jesus prophesied it would happen. But the disciples had a question for Jesus. And I find it interesting in their question. They came to Jesus. And he said, tell us when these things shall be. And you know, they were curious, just like we're curious. You know, we, we like to know the future. or We think we like to know the future. We like to know what's going to happen. And yet there's things about the future we, we don't know. You know, we can plan our day. We can plan what we're going to do tomorrow. We can plan what we're going to do for the week. But if you're like me, you make your plans, but your plans are subject to change and most likely do change. It's because we're not in charge. Yes, if the Lord wills, we will do these things. And you know, but when Jesus goes and answers their questions, there was no questions of what's going to happen in the future. You didn't have to second guess what Jesus was saying. So they asked him, they said, tell us, when shall these things be? That was their first question. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And I thought that was an interesting question that they put to him. When will be, what will be the sign of thy coming? Because we, we always like to say, well, you know, what did the disciples know about Jesus' death and resurrection, ascending to the Father and returning? I think they grasped things and knew things a little bit more maybe sometimes than we give them credit for. Because they said, what's going to be the sign of your coming? So they knew that he has to be returning to the earth. So they had to grasp the idea that Jesus is going to be gone, but he will come back. And they said, and what's going to be the sign of your, your coming back? We, we want to know this. And, and also of the end of the world. So, you know, what, what, are, what are these signs going to be? What's going to be the sign of your coming? And, and what, what's going to be the sign of the end of the world? And, you know, man's always tried to figure out when the world's going to end. And they always try to figure out how it's going to end. You know, back in, in my younger 
days in my younger years, Davy here is about my age, and so he could probably say this too because he went to public school. <clears throat> but back there in the 70s, the world was to annihilate itself because of the Ice Age. Am I correct? Things were freezing over. And man says the world's going to end because we're freezing. What do we hear today? Now the earth is going to pieces because of global warming and climate change and so on. <clears throat> but as I think of, of the disciples' question there and Jesus' response to them. And so Jesus then comes with answers. His first response here is, And Jesus answered and said unto him, when they asked this question, And Jesus answered them, said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you. And I had to think, why did Jesus answer that for his first response? What is so crucial, what is so critical about deception? What is it about deception that Jesus said, don't let anyone deceive you. And then as we go through this passage, and we go down through here, Jesus points out various times. He says there's going to be those that come and they're going to do such and such things. He said they're going to, to come. He said there's going to, let's go into verse 5. He says, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. I am Christ, and, I, and they will deceive many. Well, we go on and read some other of the scriptures down here. He goes on to say that there's going to be many false prophets. There's going to be those that come and say that, you know, I am Christ. And it says, and they will deceive many, even to the point of the things that they can do to be able to even, if possible, deceive the elect. The children of God, those that are truly following the Lord. And that's how, that's how real deception is going to be, that it is going to be so convincing that man is going to believe a lie and follow the things that are happening. But Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. And so as, as I think about that, and I think back that and I mentioned there earlier, you know, people is always wondering, how, when's the end of the world going to come? What's going to happen? You know, uh, at least the older ones here. There's a lot of younger ones here. <clears throat> but in 1988, there was an article put out, 88 reasons why Jesus was returning in 88. Now, I don't know how many read the 88 reasons. If I read them, I forgot them. But you know, we're, we're here. How many years later? But you know, through that time, there was people deceived in believing that the Lord was going to return. There were those that sold houses because the Lord's going to return. There was a couple that that we know that was planning on getting married that year. But they wanted to be sure to be married before the Lord returned, so they got married before that date in 88 because they wanted to be married before the Lord returned. And, you know, it kind of sounds like we could say, well, there's a little humor in that. What, what were they thinking? 
Because why didn't they know that you can't believe what someone puts out like that? And so, yes, that was in 88. But how many times has that happened since 88? That someone has tried to predict the end of the world, to predict that when Jesus was coming, it has happened numerous times. And the sad part about it is those people generally have a following. They generally have a following. There are a certain amount of number of people that will fall for those kind of things. But Jesus says, beware that no man deceives you. Because he said, there's going to be those that come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And as I studied that verse a little bit, as I pondered that verse, I had to wonder what all was Jesus saying there? Because he said, there are going to be those that comes in his name, in his name, saying, I am Christ. And I had to wonder, and you can correct me or at least ponder the thought anyway. But I had to wonder, would it be proper to say that there are going to be those that come in his name that says, but I am a Christian. And yes, I realize we need to be careful maybe how far we would judge on that. But when we look around us and we see those people that, that profess to be Christians, and we know that they are not living according to God's word. And maybe at one time, maybe they sat where you sat this morning. And yet they have stepped away from it and they have started throwing away principles. They have started throwing away teachings. And yet they profess to be a Christian. Yes, I'm, I want to be careful in what I'm saying here, but I think we need to be aware of the fact of the matter is that there are going to be those that are going to profess that and they will deceive others because, well, if they're Christians, we're all Christians, let's accept them all in. I think we need to be careful. And I realize I think Jesus is saying more than that here because later on in, in the scripture, there are those that comes and says, I am Christ. Or they say, lo, here is Christ. And yet, you know, that we, we say that is... Well, that's probably something future. But you know, how many times in our lifetime has there been a cult started up? I know there's, again, there's a few here that would remember Jim Jones and the cult that he started. And he had a number of followers, a great following. And there's been other leaders that start out like that. But they're false. And yet somehow they are able to deceive people to believe their way of thinking. And so Jesus has given us that warning to be not deceived. But then he goes on to say then, but he says, you are hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. And that's a thought I want us to keep hold here this morning throughout this message. And that is not to be troubled with the things that are going on around us, the things that we're facing today. We don't have to be troubled about it. We don't have to worry. We need to keep in mind that God is in control. He said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. 
And there's going to be all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. You know, most of us keep up with the news somehow or another. And you know, if we get the CAM papers, we can read about the famines that they try to help and reach out and help with. Places where there's earthquakes, they go in and they want to help rebuild earthquakes, uh, hurricanes, storms, whatever. But are we hearing an increase of those things? Are we seeing an increase of those things? What about earthquakes in diverse places? Do we think of earthquakes in our own general areas? You know, we think of California as where there should be earthquakes. But you know, there's earthquakes happening in places that we don't think of. That how can that be? And pestilence. What is pestilence? Well, we think of pestilence. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think we think of pestilence as all these little bugs that crawl around and we think they're pests. Well, no. That might be some of it. But pestilence is plagues and sicknesses. So what we're experiencing today are we seeing some things unfold before us? Now, I'm not up here this morning to say that these are the exact things that are happening. But nonetheless, Jesus said these things are going to happen. And so, yes, we are struggling with this thing of the COVID. And we just, we, we think, how much longer is it going to be? How much more can we put up with this kind of thing? But you know, as someone said, and I think it's probably right, that probably when this is over, there might be something worse coming on. You know, God's in control, so we don't need to worry. He says, don't be troubled. These things are going to happen. So yes, we might be seeing these happen. And as we shared in our Sunday school, the teacher, when he brought out, he says, you know, it's not that we need to worry about these things that are happening. What it needs to be is we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the Lord's return. But these things will happen, and he says, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And I thought that was interesting when I read that, because after the COVID thing started, sometime afterwards, somebody came to me after church one Sunday, and they said, do you think this is the beginning of sorrows? And I said, well, I said, it could be. I said, I'm not going to answer that to say it is, but I said it could be. Because scripture does predict things are going to happen. And so we need to be open to that. <clears throat> but he goes on to speak more too of, of those that will be offended at, because of him. Those that is going to hate the Christian. So it's no surprise that if we feel that, that as Christians that we're hated. And you know, in today's society, as we look around us at things that are happening, the things that are being allowed even in churches today, that from the Word of God should not be in churches and cannot be allowed. The true Christian is going to be hated for these things because they're going to say you're insensitive. You're uncaring. 
You know, God loves everybody. So in a divorce and remarriage case, the second marriage is working out wonderful. Why? Well, God wants them to be happy. No, the devil has them where he wants them. And therefore, they're happy. Too many second marriages are way better than the first. In the world's eyes. And you know, the things that are sliding into the churches today, how far are they from sliding into our own churches? When Jesus says, don't be deceived. Just because there might be preachers over here preaching God's love, and He loves all these people, and we need to accept them into our churches... Brothers and sisters, let's be careful. It sounds good. It sounds reasonable. But what does the Scripture say? And we need to follow what Scripture says. Because he says that in the end there's going to be many false prophets. They will arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And what do we have today? What do we see in society around us? And maybe even in the churches. What do we see in the churches even around us today? Because the way things are going, the way things are happening, is, there a, is the love of the brotherhood growing cold? Yes, I know there is regulations in places. There are mandates in places and so on. But we was down south last weekend down South Carolina. And as we went to church, <clears throat> we drove by other churches, community churches, on the way down and on the way back, we never seen a door open on any of those churches. Is the love of many growing cold? Because of the situations. Love for one another. Love for those in the world around us. The love, the world, even their love for each other. What is happening? It's growing cold. But Jesus said, but he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. He said, you'll be saved if you endure and, go, and, and, and make it through this. And you know, if you read in Revelation... That he that overcometh shall, you know, read where Jesus says that numerous times. He was speaking to the seven churches, but he said, those that overcome. And here he gave the very words, those that endure, those that overcome. But he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. <clears throat> Just the other day I heard that I think it's Wycliffe Bible Translators I think through the modern technology that is available that I think the statement was being made that probably all the nations can have Scripture translated into their language. Yes, there's some good in modern technology. And if it can be reaching nations like that, can we say, you know, even so, Lord, let it happen because 
But you know, God's word is true, and he says that the nations, these nations are going to be reached with his word. It will happen. You know, a hundred years ago, you could have probably thought, how will you reach everyone out in other countries that don't, don't know a thing about God? But today, that is getting so easy and being so readily available. But then he speaks about the things that are going to happen, and he is speaking here to the disciples. And so here's some things that they can understand maybe a little better than we can. And I think Jesus is speaking here to us today in this scripture, but he was speaking to to, uh, the Jews there also. But he says that when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by, of by Daniel the prophet, he said, take notice. He said, take notice. And we don't have time this morning to go into Daniel and, and read all these things. <clears throat> but you will find that in Daniel, the prophecy in Daniel correlates right along with Revelation. But it also goes together with what is being said here. And I could give out a list of of number of places in Daniel to find it, but take the time sometime and and read it. But he said, when you see this happening, he says, just realize that time is getting closer. And he said, now when these things happen, and he says, you know, flee to the mountains. He says, don't go back into your homes to get things. In other words, when it happens, these things are going to happen. It's going to be happening quick. But he said, but except those days, and he talks of the tribulation that will take place. And you know, we, we hear that word tribulation, and I think we probably kind of just kind of tremble a little bit at that because, you know, we, we've probably had it good in our, in our lifetime. But we would think of tribulation of things where it's not nice, and we don't know what all you might be, we might be facing and things like that. And so it probably makes us afraid a little bit. But he says there will be a tribulation that's never been like since the world began and nothing afterward. And he said, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, I don't, I'm not here to explain all that and just what all that means. But, you know, God is merciful. God is merciful. Even through a time of that. And we think, well, we don't know what all we're going to face. We don't know what we might have to endure. But just remember, God is faithful. And I think that's what he's saying here. But then he gives the warning again of not being deceived. He said, but there is going to be those that arise. There is going to be false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. And we think, how are they going to be able to do that? And just remember, Satan always gives a counterfeit to what God can do. So any of these signs and wonders and things that are happening is not from God. These things are coming from the devil through these false prophets and false Christs and false teachers, and they're able to do these things. And you know, when, when, when things like that is done in, in the world today, people stand back in awe. And they're intrigued with it. There is something that is captivating about something that can actually, supernaturally happen.
But you know, if there are those that are professing to be Christ and Christians and, 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 and godly teachers and so on, and they're able to do these things, he says it's going to be so convincing to the point that they can almost deceive the very elect. But he says, but beware of these false teachers. Don't let anyone deceive you. And he said, and behold, I have told you before. So Jesus has given us the warnings. He has given us the things to be watching for and that we will not be deceived. <coughs> Well, I must hurry on here. I'm going to run out of time. <clears throat> and there's going to be those that says, well, here is Christ. I mean, you know, all these things are happening. This has to be of God. And you know, as the 88 reasons come out, and there was those that were deceived in believing that. And in later times, there were those that was deceived in believing various things like that. How easy is it going to be for people to start saying, yes, let's go over here and see what's happening. This surely has got to be of God because it works. Jesus said, do not be deceived. And he says, don't go following after them when they say over here is Christ. When he says, as the lightning cometh out of the east and, and goes towards the west, he said, that's the way it's going to be with the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to happen quickly. It's not going to be that Jesus is going to be here one day and all of a sudden everybody's saying, well, he's over here. No. Read the scripture and you'll know. And he said, then immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be dark and the moon not give its light. <coughs> the stars will fall from heaven. And so on. And then shall appear the Son of Man. You know, the disciples said, what will be the sign of your, your return? What's going to be the sign of you coming back? And Jesus gave them that answer. He said, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. And so, you know, he gives some things. He didn't give a lot of details. He didn't go into a whole lot of details to explain it all. And, you know, we can see that when aspects of other things in the Bible that we don't have a full scope on. But he gives us enough to know that we need to believe what he is saying, and therefore we will not be caught unawares. But he says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, <coughs> one from one end of heaven to the other. But as he, he said all of this, I like the account in Luke because there's a verse in, in Luke chapter 21 that's not in this passage. It's the same account, but this verse is not in there. But this verse, I think, is a climax to what Jesus is saying here. And in Luke 21, verse 28, if you read the chapter, verses 1 down through 28, you have the same account that is read here in Matthew. But he ends with this verse. But he talks about men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Verse 27 in Luke 22. 
<clears throat> and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. I'm sorry, verse 28 is the verse I want. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So with all these things, we can say, but, you know, we're living in such troubling times and troubled times. And yes, we are. And yes, we don't know what more we may be facing down the road. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And he gave these accounts. And then he says there in Luke, but he said, and all these things, he said, but look up. Look up because the Lord's returning. Your redemption draweth nigh. And, you know, that should give us hope. That should bless each one of us here this morning as we think of that, that yes, these things are happening because Jesus has predicted it. He has said these things are going to happen before his return. Are we looking forward to that return? Or are we saying that really, you know, I like to live another 50, 60, 100 years yet <clears throat> because I enjoy life. I enjoy the things I do. And yet, if we knew all that was waiting for us in glory and what God has prepared, you know, I don't think any of us would say we want to be here another day. And yet, we're here. We need to do our part as we studied there in our Sunday school lesson this morning. And so as we look at this passage in closing here, that Jesus gave many warnings. I said there was about nine warnings. He said, be not deceived. One, be not deceived. And that, it, that resonates throughout that passage, but it doesn't only stop there. It resonates throughout Scripture. In other Scriptures, we are warned to not be deceived. We're warned to be ready. Two, there will be wars and rumors of wars. You know, we've heard those things for years. Those things are happening around us. And, you know, there, there are those of, uh, that's among us and older than what I am. And, and back there, they, 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 some live through a time of, of war. Some of us don't know anything about it. Pestilence, earthquakes. Three, he said there was going to be pestilence and earthquakes and famines. He says... Number four, he says there'll be betrayals. There'll be those that will betray you. And you know, if you read Martyr's Mirror, you know, so many met their death because somebody betrayed them. Somebody turned them over to authority. Five, there'll be false teachers. False teachers, false prophets. Those that are out to deceive look good, but they're deceiving. Six, Love will grow cold. Love will grow cold. Again, I think we're seeing that happen around us more than we realize. Number seven, he said, take notice of the prophecy of Daniel. Take notice of the prophecy of Daniel. That when these things begin to happen, the abomination of desolation. Eight, he said there will be false Christs. Yes, we could put that with false teachers. Number nine, he said there will be tribulations. There'll be a great tribulation, but there'll still be tribulations. And we can look at that and we can think how discouraging that is. But along with it, Jesus gives some encouragement in this passage. One, 
He said, endure to the end and you shall be saved. You know, that's an encouragement. He says, keep on pressing on. Keep on living for him. No matter what you face, he says, in the end, he says, you'll be saved. Two, the gospel is to be preached everywhere. All the world's going to hear of Jesus and of God. Three, he says, I have told you. You know, what better proof that you can believe what someone says than from the person that knows for a fact? And he says, I have told you. You know, we don't have to think, well, somebody wrote this and that's what they said. No, Jesus himself said it. Because he told the disciples, he said, I have told you these things. And it's what he's done for us here this morning. He has told us this. Number four, it says, the return of the Lord. You know, we think of that. And, uh, you know, we all probably think of that. As we get older, that's something we think more of. That one day the Lord's going to return. You know, we're getting older. We might go out of this world by a natural death somehow. But we also need to realize the Lord is going to return when time will be no more. That's an encouragement. And in five, lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. You know, I think what better words could Jesus have given to us in a time of trials, troubles, turmoils than to say, well, just look up. Because he said, I'm returning. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Today, tomorrow, five, ten years from now, I don't set no dates on it, Davy. <laughs> but it's going to happen. But that's an encouragement. And I think Jesus, even though with the things he was telling the disciples, he gave them an encouragement to help them keep pressing on. And that has been given to us here through his word here this morning. So I encourage you to continue to be faithful. Continue to look up. Continue to be aware of the things around us. That we are not deceived and fall for false teachings. Because they are around us. So may the Lord bless you.